This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So the most difficult part of any business is people. How many times have you heard somebody say, wow, this would be a great business if it weren't for the people. So today we're going to discover actually how to deal with people, how to actually influence them, how to use the power that we already have, how to make sure we're not misusing the influence that we already have. And we have a very special guest, uh, Vanessa Bonds, the author of the book, You Have More Influence Than You Think. And Vanessa, it is so good to have you with us. It's so nice to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So if you would, just give us a little bit about your background, Vanessa, and why you're talking about what you're talking about here. Yeah, certainly. So I am an experimental social, social psychologist. Uh, I have a PhD from Columbia. And that basically means that what I do when I study social influence is run experiments. So instead of sort of looking at whether people have more influence when they try to influence someone in one way or another, one thing that I do differently from most people and from sort of the typical influence books that are out there where there's sort of tips and tricks for gaining influence, I really look at people's assumptions about the influence that they have. And I test to see whether those assumptions are accurate. So a typical study, I'll have participants come into my lab and I'll have them sort of explicitly state what their assumption is. So I think that this person will or won't agree to do something for me. I think that if I say this to this person, it'll feel this way or that way. And then we have them go out and actually test that. And what we found in our studies is that people's sort of perceptions of the influence they have and their expectations of how influence is going to go is often quite different from the reality. And in general, we often tend to underestimate the influence that we have in all sorts of, of different contexts. Well, I, I, I think you kind of hit it on the nose when you say underestimate our influence of all the professions who under, and underestimate their influence. I think CPAs are probably at the very top of that underestimating um, our influence and the influence that we have, uh, not just on employees, but on our clients and on people around us. So um, can, you, can you kind of talk about that influence that we have and how it might exert itself even when we're not thinking that we're exerting influence or even when we're not trying to? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things that kind of go into this answer. One is that people tend to pay more attention to us than we realize. And this tends to happen when we're sort of not carefully monitoring what we're saying or super self-conscious about what we're saying. And so what that means is that when we do something, right, more people notice that and we can impact people because they may mimic it or they may be sort of encoding what we did and interpreting it in a certain way that we may not even realize is going on. So we kind of have this inadvertent influence at times because people are noticing us more than we think. Um, another way that we may influence people without even sort of trying or maybe even being aware of it is in offhand comments that we make or just sort of throwaway comments. 
Uh, so we tend to think of influence in a specific narrow sort of way. So if you talk to most people about what they think of influence, they're imagining a situation where you're either standing in front of the room trying to influence someone or standing in front of another person trying to get them to change their perspective on something, this sort of more formal, effortful type of influence. But in fact, influence encompasses a whole range of behaviors beyond that, including just little throwaway comments when you're not actively trying to change someone's mind uh, and different kinds of informal ways, even our behaviors, as I said earlier, that people are noticing. And so what that means is that we could make a big speech or a big sort of argument for uh, and try to make a case for something. But if we turn around and a half an hour later make some sort of throwaway comment that contradicts that, we forget that that also impacts how people feel about an issue. And so in that way, we may be inadvertently even kind of undermining our own position that we sort of made in this formal context. So, so people are always watching. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that's pretty clear, especially when you're the business owner. You know, that's the challenge. You know, you own your business, whether it's a CPA business or some other business, um, people are always watching. So that's a lot of pressure. I mean, especially for people who were not exactly the most outgoing profession in the world. So how do you pay attention to that? I actually do something about that without just being stressed out all the time. Yeah. And there's a couple things related to this. So one is that people do when they hear this, they get a little stressed out, as you said, and anxious. And one caveat is that people actually aren't paying attention to you during those times that you're most worried they're paying attention to you. So they're paying attention to you when you're kind of just doing your thing, going about your daily business. Um, but when you're particularly self-conscious about something, like you're trying a new style or, you know, you stumble or you say the wrong word in those instances, we tend to be super harsh on ourselves. And in fact, other people are not obsessing about those things the way we might be. So that is a nice sort of caveat to keep in mind. Um, but as you say, at, at the end of the day, people do pay more attention to us than we think in a lot of other contexts. And that's particularly true, as you said, when you're the boss, when you're in a position of power. So people in positions of power are more central in other people's focus. People pay more attention to the people in power, not surprisingly, right? And their words land a lot heavier than anybody else. And it's harder to say no to people who are in positions of power. But people in positions of power actually undergo a whole bunch of psychological uh, effects that actually make it harder for them to see the influence that they have. So just at the time that it's harder for people to say no to us, we actually think it's easier for them to say no to us because we're not sort of engaging in perspective taking the way other people are because we don't really worry so much about what's going on in other people's heads when we're the ones in power. Uh, when we're in power, we can kind of state our own opinions and not worry about what other people think as much. And we kind of assume other people can do that as well when in fact people don't wanna go against what the boss says. And so it's this interesting period of time when you really are super unaware of the influence that you have when you're in a position of power. And so, yeah. So one of the things I talk about in the book is how we can rectify that. And so that was sort of your initial question. How can we get better about this? Um, and there's several ways. So for one, uh, one reason we don't see the influence that we have is that we're human. And when we look out at the world through our own two eyes, what we don't see in the scene is ourselves. 
We can see everybody else impacting us and what they're doing, right? We see what everybody else is doing to each other and how they're affecting each other's behaviors, but we don't see ourselves. We don't see the faces we're making, the, our body language, the things that people are reacting to that we're doing. And so one simple thing is to do exercises where you kind of remember to get out of your own head and picture a scene from a third-party perspective. So imagine, you know, it was a friend doing this and you were advising them. Imagine yourself as a fly on the wall. Um, I talked to someone who works with coaches and his sort of interpretation of this was imagine you're playing tape for a coach the way you would play it for a player and kind of looking at how your behaviors are impacting other people. Uh, So any way that you can sort of get out of your own head and take an outside perspective to recognize the things that you might be doing that other people might be reacting to. I, I think actually that's one of the advantages of um, virtual meetings because you are looking at your picture at the same time. And I find I can see, you know, I see like right now I can see myself. I can see what my, my face looks like, what my body position is so forth, where we can't do that um, one-on-one, but virtual, I think also causes other challenges because we don't have the same, it's not the same energy. Um, And so it's not as easy to feel somebody else's energy. So if somebody's like, if, if somebody's down, they won't show that just in their behaviors or just in what they say, but they'll actually show it in their energy. So how do you, how do you deal with that when you're in a virtual situation where so many of us now, uh, some of our employees may never come back to the office. They may always be virtual. How do you deal with this virtually? Yeah. And that's a huge question. And actually what we find in the research is that the whole effect of underestimating our influence actually changes completely in virtual environments. So we really underestimate our influence in person because we're all evolved to interact with people in person, in small groups. We pay attention to the people in our surroundings. We listen to what they have to say. And as you said, we pay attention to their energy, to their body movements and all these kinds of things. Through virtual environments, all of a sudden you don't get that automatic default attention, right? We're not getting right. all of this, these nonverbals that you would get in person. And so, in fact, when we have people do things like try to influence someone over email, for example, they find that they actually overestimate their influence. They think if I just write this perfectly crafted email, you know, this person will clearly be convinced by what I have to say. When in fact, there's nothing better than standing in front of someone in person and trying to make your case. And so that even seems to be the case through Zoom uh, and even on the phone and things like that. So it's definitely a challenge. Um, I'd say some things that we can do are things like pay more attention to the phrasing that we use through virtual media uh, in person as you said, energy, nonverbals, all these things convey, you know, excitement and convey power and can get people uh, to go along with what you have to say. When you're in these virtual environments, you lose a lot of that. You kind of have to make it up with the actual substance of what you're saying. So you have to plan a little more, come up with more compelling arguments and kind of draw people's attention in that way. Sounds like you have to be a lot more intentional um, when it's virtual or over the phone. Um, I think, I think emails are great for sharing facts, but I think that's about the limit of email for exactly what you're saying. And so a conversation, I, I tell my employees, we never have conversations in an email. It is just, here's the facts, or I need these facts from you. Um, because that in person is so much better. So, um, all right. So 
let's talk about the things we don't say. So there's, you know, if people are always watching us, that means they're watching when we say something, but they're also watching when we don't say something. So how does that impact our influence or how does that impact people when we're silent? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And one of the things I talk about in the book is actually the power of being in a room, even if you don't say a word that, as you said, people notice your behaviors and your actions and just your mere presence more than we tend to realize. And so that can have all sorts of impacts. It can have positive impact. So for example, research shows that we tune our messages to the people who are around us, which means basically mm -hmm. if you're in front of me and I'm thinking, for example, if I, maybe I went to a restaurant, I know that you like last night and I had a really bad experience there, but I know you love it. It's your favorite restaurant. I'm not going to say, oh, that restaurant is terrible. I'm going to say, yeah, you know, it wasn't quite as good as I expected. Whereas I might say, oh my gosh, that was terrible to someone who didn't have that, that sort of opinion. Um, so we tune our messages in ways that we think will appeal to the people we're talking to. And that happens all over the place. It also happens in work meetings, for example. So if you're talking about you know, benefits and it's a group of men and people are looking around the room, you may not be thinking top of mind about maternity benefits, for example, but simply having a woman in the room can make those benefits more top of mind. And even if that person, that woman never says a thing, her mere presence at the table can change the conversation that everybody has because they're thinking, okay, what would this person be interested in? What would this person's opinions be? Right. And that can be positive and negative. So paying attention could lead you to have a conversation based on stereotypes, but it could also lead you to sort of shape the conversation in a way that that person doesn't realize that they're actually shaping the conversation. Uh, interesting. So uh, let me ask you a question about, um, giving other people, allowing other people to have power. Um, you know, one of the things that we're terrible out is uh, we tend to do it ourselves. We don't ask for help. Um, you know, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself, which I, I always believe if you want it done right, you need somebody who can do it better than you can. But I know that I'm in the minority um, among small business owners. And so what, what can we do? Um, A, to help ourselves be willing to ask for help, but also be, you talk about, you know, you have power because you're the business owner. They feel like they don't have power because they're the employee. How do you open up that um, maybe power lane to allow them to share their power? Because I always believe that if my employees have power, they're going to be much more successful and we're going to be more successful as a team than if, you know, I kind of hold them back. So how do you, how do you open that up? And, and how, how do you do it? Yeah, this is a really important question. And as you said, you know, we talked about earlier, when you're in a position of power, right, other people aren't necessarily going to feel comfortable opening up and you kind of have to make space for them to be able to do that and be confident to make that space. So there's work showing that when people are in the position of power in that boss position, they can think about it in two main ways. They can think about it as an opportunity, like I am driving my business forward. There's all this opportunity that comes with this power. And in that case, you're really thinking more about yourself and you're thinking more about, you know, kind of also sometimes proving yourself, like I'm going to jump in and explain how things work so that you all know why I'm the boss, right? Or you can think about power in terms of responsibility. 
because power also, in, in addition to coming with opportunity, also comes with responsibility. So I can shape the direction of my company, but as I do that, other people's outcomes are impacted, right? The people who work for me, I'm responsible for how that affects them. And so some people tend to think about power more about the responsibility and they think about how they're going to make sure that they're paying attention to what their employees want, right? And paying attention to how their employees may be impacted by something. And people who think about power that way tend to be fairer in distributing uh, outcomes. They also tend to be more comfortable letting other people speak. So just opening up the, the space so that other people can actually share their opinions and not feeling like you just need to prove that, oh, here's why I'm the boss, because I have so many good ideas, right? So, so part, I, excuse me, part of the power that I think we have is in the power of uh, curiosity. So in other words, um, we, you know, wanting to know what we don't know and always being open to we don't know everything. Um, I always feel like I'm the dumbest person in the room. And I know that sometimes as, as a boss, other people say, well, that's the smartest person in the room. He's he or she's the boss. Right. And so how do you, how do you deal with that side of things? Yeah, I think that's very true. And that is another reason that people in positions of power aren't willing sometimes to ask questions and put it out there that they don't know all the answers because they worry that people are going to question why they're the ones in power. Right. So we do know, though, that in general, we tend to be harder on ourselves than other people are and that people actually appreciate genuineness and authenticity. And if you can authentically sort of trust your group and ask questions and come from a place of curiosity, that you're not going to be judged in that way. You're not going to be seen as, you know, inadequate or incapable. Uh, in fact, you'll be seen as a good leader because you're actually willing to step back and say, here's something I don't know about. I'm going to seek, you know, expertise from people who might know more or new ideas from people who, you know, might have a different perspective than the perspective I'm coming at this problem with. So. Um, I've often thought if I can put the other person first, that, uh, that actually enhances my power. So in other words, um, like I do a lot of speaking from stage and people ask, how do you do that? How are you not so nervous? How you, how are you not so worried about embarrassing yourself? And I always tell them, it's not about me. It's about the audience. And as long as I focus on the audience, what I do doesn't matter. And what I find is, of course, when you do that, of course, now you get a better response from the audience. So can you kind of address that a little bit I mean, um, as far as what happens when you, when you put yourself out there and you say, well, look, let's talk about how you can succeed um, in your success will contribute to my success. Yeah, what's so interesting about that is I have a section in the book. I love your uh, anecdote there because I have a section in the book called The Power of the Audience. And it's all about this idea that we think that the person with all the power in a room who's, you know, standing it on the stage with the microphone at the podium, we think that's the person with all the power in the room, the one with all the influence. When in fact, as you said, that person standing in front of the room really cares about what everybody else in the room thinks. 
right? You're paying attention to other people's reactions to the things that you're saying. And if you start getting a positive reaction, you might start changing your message a little bit Mm -hmm. to fit that reaction. You might change the topic you're talking about based on the questions that you're getting. Um, I talk about comedians who hone their bits in front of audiences and they basically say things like, I don't know what's funny. You guys decide what's funny. It's the audience who actually makes the decision because if you don't laugh, I throw out that bit. And so there's this idea that that person in front of the room is really the one with all the power when in fact the audience has so much of the power, not only in shaping the messages that are sort of delivered to them by that speaker, but also the way the speaker then thinks about what they're talking about later. So as you said, you really care about what those people are thinking. And if you realize that something really resonated with that audience, you may think, you know what, I think that was a really good idea. And now I've confirmed my own idea, you know, even more so. I, I feel like it was an even better idea than I went in thinking it was. And the next time I give a talk, I talk about it a little bit more, a little bit more enthusiastically, a little bit more confidently. And so it's a symbiotic relationship where you're really kind of both shaping one another, the audience and the speaker. Got it. So as the, as the boss, okay, um, Arden, really the one influence we want most with our employees is more production. So when you, when you look at that specific type of influence, because I mean, for example, we're in, you know, uh, we're, let's say we're doing taxes in March or April and we need hours. Okay. So w- what do you recommend practically to do to actually influence those hours other than say, okay, this is a, you know, you have to work 60 hours a week or you have to work 70 hours a week or this stuff has to be done. How do you do that in such a way that rather than set, um, you know, do this or else you can actually use influence to do it? Yeah. So I'll tell you one thing that tends to be overlooked by people who are trying to motivate their employees, and that is the power of appreciation. So a lot of the times bosses and people who are in charge, you know, managers think that it's really all about the tangible incentives, right? It's got to be about bonuses. It's got to be about pay. It's got to be about, you know, or negative, you know, incentives and things like that. Um, And, you know, I'm not saying people shouldn't be paid well for their work. Of course they should. Uh, But in fact, the research shows that often compliments And gratitude and appreciation go just as far as those tangible incentives. And people are just as willing to work hard if they feel like they'll be appreciated for that as they would for a small bonus. And in fact, in research that I've conducted, we've had people give compliments to other people and guess how good those compliments will make someone feel. And actually, we tend to underestimate just how meaningful compliments are to another person. Uh, the same thing has happened with expressing gratitude for people who have had, you know, uh, played a big role in your life or even in helping the company move forward or get through a difficult time. And so all of those things actually matter a lot more to people than we tend to think. So it's, it's almost like giving, giving your dog a treat, right? When they, um, when they do what you want them to do, you know, they sit, you give them a treat. They sit, you give them a treat. Um, they, 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 they put in the hours, they do something, you give them the compliment. And that's the, so you're just talking about reinforcing behavior. Is that what I'm hearing? I think it might be more than that because then it, you could just give them money each time, right? And that would be the same kind of idea. They'd both be positive reinforcement. 
But in this case, it's a different kind of positive reinforcement. So it's not just this tangible sort of physical positive reinforcement. It's actually something that conveys mm. respect at the end of the day. And so that's what the research shows compliments really tell someone. They say, I respect something about you. You belong in this group. And it conveys all this social value that is really important to other people and that we forget is just as important as all sorts of other values. Got it. Okay. So, all right. So Vanessa, final words, can you give us two or three tangible ideas that, you know, we can use on a day-to-day basis? We don't have to be worried about this all the time, but just a couple, two or three things that we can actually do that will make a difference. Sure. So I'll give you two. So one is a lot of advice out there says to take other people's perspectives. And you would think if you want to know the kind of impact that you have on other people, you should take their perspective more. But in fact, the research shows that when we try to take other people's perspectives, we are inaccurate in guessing how they actually feel Mm -hmm. about what they're thinking, about how they're responding to things we've said. Because when we try to take someone's perspective, we never leave our own brains, right? We search our own brains. We confirm biases we might have, stereotypes we might have, assumptions about that other person. And so the research shows if you really want to know how you're impacting other people, how someone else is feeling about something, you need to ask them, right? So, and that's called getting perspective. It's actually getting out of your own head. And it's such a simple thing that if you're wondering how you're impacting other people, just ask them. And I would say that's one tangible thing is start asking people how they feel about certain things that you've said or ways that you're running meetings or whatever it is you're curious about, actually ask. Um, So that's one. And I'd say the second one is to give more compliments and express more gratitude that show genuine respect uh, for your employees and the people around you, because you'll see that that really does have a big impact. I love that. So Vanessa Bonds, um, you have more influence than you think. Uh, Vanessa, uh, outside of your book, where can people get more information about your work? Yeah, I have a website, vanessabonds.com and Bonds is B-O-H-N-S. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Prof Bonds, and I'd love to see people there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And everybody just remember that you know, what happens when we actually recognize that we are being watched, that, you know, we are the boss, we do have power, and there are little things we can do, and they're positive things, and they're things that can be part, become part of our daily lives, like expressing gratitude, you know, like asking for opinion, like, you know, really, really, uh, what I what I heard throughout this was showing your respect for that other person um, really lifts your power as well as theirs, and what is going to happen with that is we're always going to end up with better clients and a better practice and a better life. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.